Welcome back to the Hodlers podcast. Today, um, episode 15, we are joined by Alex. Alex has been sharing his journey as a builder in the Web3 space all over Twitter. Um, he's been creating um, Twitter threads, educating the people of the NFT space on very, very, very helpful information. Uh, he's also the founder of Bricktopians, a project that I didn't know has done over 3,500 Ethereum in volume huge congrats for that um i checked it before i thought it's just gonna be you know just an average project i clicked on it and i was like holy crap three and a half thousand volume that is massive pat on the back for that one um so yeah alex um oh and we're joined by nft dad sorry nft dad i forgot to um introduce you there you are no problem, no problem. Um, i co-host um so alex for the viewers and listeners right now um who is alex what do you do who are you yeah, cool. So thank you for having me, Leon and Tyler. This is going to be really exciting. So yeah, quick background on me that I always love to give is I've, I've been lucky enough to be in the blockchain space for about seven years now. Um, I, I was an early investor in ETH. I bought in at $45, which is my favorite yeah. thing. To it, It's always the classic thing you get to say looking back, but nice it felt flex. no different to how it feels right now. And I consider myself incredibly, luck, incredibly lucky to be in the right place at the right time. Mm-hmm. Um, I've also been lucky enough to consult to some of the world's biggest brands on NFTs and blockchain. So one, probably the biggest brand is, of course, the NBA. Um, and now I've co-founded my own collection, Bricktopians, which is a hard project to capture all in one. It was one where essentially like it, I'm not sure if we're able to pull it up, but we just wanted to do something a little bit differently. And so we'd seen a lot of NFTs created through systems such as like layering, right? Where you just basically slice splice a bunch of layers together. The TLDR of what we did was if you could make a entire collection on a computer in about 10 minutes by hitting the generate button, Bricktopians, you would, if you were to make it on a laptop, it would take you 10 years. So we needed to essentially um, invest in the in infrastructure that rivals what NASA uses to simulate the physics of the universe. So every wow. single Bricktopian, as you can see, if you're watching the video podcast, moves in its own unique way based on the bricks that it is made out of. And so we're a collection that's built not around, only around my experience in the space of understanding what sorts of projects, businesses, collections, um, actually launch and have staying power and are the types that, of um, businesses that grow years into the future, um, but also one that is built around the art of my co-founder, Law Degree. So he's the, been the artist behind uh, formerly very popular Kanye West um, and um, as well as Virgil Abloh, the, the founder of Off-White and head desi- former head designer of Louis Vuitton. Wow. God rest his soul. Um, and of course, many other um, artists such as Young Thug and NBA players such as the first NFT release. So we've got a powerhouse team between myself, who has obviously been in the space for quite a while and really experienced everything. Um, and my co-founder, who is on the precipice of digital art and fashion, not just in a from an art um, like a 3D modeling perspective, but actually art and fashion that influences culture. And so uh, if you're watching the video, I can actually show you something quite cool. This is what we're releasing Ooh. next, which oh, is- Oh, no way, what? Holy yeah, smoke. So the, this is the brain boot. So this is a fully 3D printed sneaker. The 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 background on why, why we've gone into <laughs> N- NFT sneakers is because it, it actually started even before 
um, we started Bricktopians. I was helping Law find his way in Web3. He was such a talented creator and it was so obvious that this was his time to really break into that space. Mm -hmm. And he was originally um, following his time working with Yeezy and all these inspirational creators. He was beginning to create his own algorithmically generated shoe, a shoe where that this is not sculpted. It's kind of, it's essentially programmed with maths so that the pipe runs around the shoe and never repeats itself. But what's really cool is, uh, and to anyone that wants to do um, further research into what we've created, um, because we've 3D printed it, it can be fully adapted one at a time in the ways that we love NFTs. So like Nike, for example, they come up with a shoe design, they make 100,000 of the same shoe. We could make, that can make this shoe. We've got a, uh, my favorite example is, you, we've got a shoe that where the pipes are made out of pencils and then we've got another one where they're made out of clarinets and then we've got another one <laughs> where, where, yeah, where, where um, they're lit on fire and we can actually create physicals um, uh, sorry to anyone that I just blew up their microphone headphones by dropping the shoe, but um, we can actually create uh, a true physical um, and a streetwear experience that celebrates the ideals that we care about in Web3. And this is all essentially, This is I would call this a device that is engineered to reward our holders. So something I'm really massive on is um, really basically abusing supply and demand mechanics. So we originally had, um, in our collection, we originally had um, 10,000 NFTs. 1,500 of our holders burnt their NFT to re-evolve it with a new series of traits. And that was something that basically deflated the collection over time. So we've, there are now 1,500 less Bricktopians in the collection. Yes, of course, this is purchasable. And yes, of course, you can get it at a massive discount if you're a Bricktopian holder. But what I'm really excited about is there's a bunch of people who have never owned a PFP before that don't care about PFPs, but they really want the sneaker. And something we're doing for them is you can actually buy one of our PFPs and burn it to get the sneaker. So it's not just about oh, I see. it's about using what we've created in the what we're creating in the future to continue to create value for what we've created in the past. And so it's kind of this beautiful link and positive feedback loop between um, new uh, new revenue models and new ways to sustain the project while always linking it back to um, our original holders. So that's a bit of a TLDR on myself and my mindset towards everything. And yeah, probably I've, I've just got to ask, that's, that's so compelling. And I'm a, I love shoes, I love fashion, I love sneakers so much. So, um, I, you know, I got I to gotta ask this. How do I get a pair? So <laughs> basically, I'm just gonna go. I'm gonna go, and let's let's say I'm a Web two guy, and I and I don't really know how to use blockchain. I don't really understand it. I don't really want to understand it, particularly right now with sort of the the way things are going. And you know, you see some of these larger companies like Starbucks and Reddit, you know, completely sidestepping the word NFT in placing you know journey token or this or that. So I've got I I find out about these shoes. I can go to Bricktopian.io. Uh, is that what it is? And and um, essentially be like, buy shoes, click to buy with my credit card, and then it takes me through this journey of burning a PFP, or or do I just go straight to buying the shoes? Yeah, so that is a fantastic question and one of my favorite things to talk about. So I think where a lot of projects go wrong is they think they have a product that bridges Web two and Web three, and they just sell it in a Web three way. I just expect it to like get new users. And mm. the reality is 
there is a bunch of people who just want the shoe and never want to even know that an NFT was associated with it. As well as on the other end of the spectrum, we've got people that just want to buy the NFT and are excited by the idea that, so you actually have to burn the NFT, the sneaker NFT to, to get the sneaker, of right. course, got to bring those dynamics back in. And the NFT buyers are excited by the idea that, okay, sh people who actually want the shoe are going to slowly burn the NFT that they hold, making it rarer over time. But from an experience perspective, something that Law and I um, always talk about is you need to always ask yourself the question, if I only had to win in this world with this customer base, how would I do it? So it's like uh, on crypto Twitter, it's, it's much easier for me to talk about, oh, connect to MetaMask. Um, let's get a bunch of people hyped. I know if I have 10,000 people um, fully from that world, and you can kind of feel confident on that front, but we don't want it to just live on crypto Twitter. We want it to live in that fashion space as well. And so an architecture that you can imagine is quite complex in the background, but we need to make quite simple in the, in the foreground is we're working on ways to make it so that it, it essentially is like you just buy it with your credit card and we manage that burn for you. So everything is a is accounted for by an NFT. And if let's say they're all sold out and you purchase with your credit card, you're actually purchasing from the secondary market. We're exploring ways that we can kind of either automate that or do it a bit more manually, always have a reserve of NFTs that we have. And we just manage that for the person because someone who goes, uh, who might look at it like, oh, I'm essentially just pre-ordering a sneaker. We want them to just have the experience of pre-ordering a sneaker. But our holders to be like, this is great. So you're telling me that even, you know how it's like, well, why should any project have volume six months later? Well, it's like, well, if this is culturally relevant, this is blowing up one particular rapper wore them and now everyone wants them. Well, that volume that comes through from like that web two interface can continue to feed into the web three world. And that, that's the way we're really thinking about things. I don't want, I basically want to have a little pop-up that says, Hey, just letting you know, this is like this whole web three experience. If you are interested in that, just click here and we'll help you. But if you don't care about any of that, here's the Shopify end of cart. Like, just don't worry about it. We'll just ship, ship your shoe. You don't even need to know that that happened. Oh, my God. I'd love to see that pop up. <laughs> it's like, do you care at all about Web3? Yes, no. You know, or go jump down the rabbit hole this way or just check out that way. And that's really cool. What a great idea. It honestly should just be like a rabbit hole. Like, yeah. like a <laughs> like a picture of a rabbit hole with like a like a cartoon like looney tunes arrow like yeah that's really cool yeah I was, having, I was having a look for your twitter i didn't see any of that has that been kept in uh secret that that project no no i am um, i i am a massive subscriber to the philosophy that like gary v has which is like jab 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 punch no one wants to just hear the founder of a project just shill their project 24 7 it's like okay mm. um, i'm unfollowing i'm unsubscribing um yeah. a bit of a background that i didn't mention at the beginning of the call for anyone that's new to what i do is i'm really really passionate about helping other founders succeed in their own journey so helping mm. people launch their own nft collection helping people find a job in this space helping people create a content creating career or um and not that I'm an expert in any of that, but I'm in the middle of growing in that way. And I think what you often miss from people like Gary Vee, Alex Homozi, any of these large entrepreneurs is they're so, such experts at the little things that they never talk about the little things. And I think it's really beneficial wow. to talk talk about the journey on the way up, what you're finding work, works, what um, hooks in a, at the first tweet of a Twitter thread you've changed, they've got more engagement, all that sort of stuff. So pretty much like, 
four out of five things that I post are not about us. It's more about helping individuals. And what I usually find is that if you put a good, enough goodwill out, um, you don't have to ask people to buy into your collection or your community. People go, Alex, like, you know what? I've now started writing threads and I'm now going on spaces and I'm now doing this and it's all been so helpful. I'd love to be a part of Bricktopians and they join quite passively. The other thing is that um, I think you need to choose what, when and how you market something quite strategically. So what you're looking at right now, this is a size five. This is the first, what I would call production model wearable, where it's like, this is actually like durable, flexible, comfortable. Um, you actually might be able to see, I'll see if I can- I can see the inside too. That looks crazy. We cut out a, um, a circle which exposes our cushioning system. That's all um, basically been created by um, my co-founder Law. He had to work with um, like people who handle uh, bone, tra- I think it's bone, bone transplants and have to like account for flexibility and rigidity in materials wow. um, with crazy. 3D printing. You have to work with those sorts of people to actually make this viable because a lot of the sneakers we see that are 3D printed are either not viable or they use a method that it's like, oh, I wonder why they chose that design. It's like, no, they chose that design because the method they're using is so limited that you can only design in certain ways. Mm. Whereas we really wanted to have a limitless design. And so we've kind of developed our own patent pending um, methodology towards making a shoe, which means we have absolute freedom in what we create. That's so cool. We have a, a Vancouver-based brand called Casca. I don't know if you've, you've uh, come across them. They do uh, 3D printed sole only. Um, and they've sort of revisioned everything. Casca, meaning like Cascadian Mountains, uh, which is mm. you know basically the Rockies where, I, where I'm at. And uh, it's been really fascinating to see how they've gone into engineering sort of the comfort in the sole and when you're walking around and, and trademarking that. And it's so fascinating to see that you've come at it from the perspective sort of of this, the biological science of, you know, density and flexibility um, through through bones, of course, which are such a connected piece to what's underneath, you know, your the heel of your foot and your metatarsals or whatever they're called. And then you cr- you're creating this 3D cushion that really like affects your your soul your your walk your gait yeah yeah so fascinating yeah wow it's it's crazy and it's it's what's most fascinating is that it's all designed with maths and it's what law tells me is known as a meta material where it, which is where you change um the way that a material behaves against how it's like conventionally known so like you might like a, a certain material might be known for being like really brittle and you find a you change the structure so that it actually isn't brittle it might flex a little bit like and in other ways like something that's not known for being soft feels soft um, because it's thinner but then um the way that like the shape is balanced actually gives like flexibility without breaking and so what's really cool is we're actually like so we shifted i'm very much inspired by what artifact has done there like um i say like where david and their goliath my favorite thing to always (laughs) say is like a a bricktopian is like a clonex at a 50th of the cost (laughs) nice but and because we're we're like where they were more culturally and brand wise like a year ago um so now we're starting to get out get our legs and play in that space that nike knows is like the next wave which is like nft enhanced wearables going to people who are avid collectors but in the physical world that next market um but yeah um 
Oh, the reason I was bringing up the metamaterial is something that we've been shifting towards uh, is um, with this artifact methodology is not just being clone X, but being a brand. And so you might, some people might now know us as abnormal studios because people would come in and be like, yeah, I love this shoe and I love law, but what does that have to do with a brick? And we're like, we don't want to be pigeonholed in bricks. Like we're not going to start a Minecraft server. We're not going to start like a, li <laughs> a line of Lego, all these things that people wanted us to do. It's like, no, it's more about our brand is about creating, um, is about pushing the boundaries of what technology will allow us to do so that we can create the impossible that you'll never see anywhere else. So our holders will always have something unique. That cushioning system actually makes up the logo that we're releasing in about a month because wow. we, our, our, our logo is literally constructed out of the mathematical patterns that make up our cushioning because to us, a logo should tell a story and a, this logo essentially is saying this journey is what separates us from everyone else. This, this physical creation you're looking at in front of you, it's like a ball of, of essentially the cushioning system that you might see in the sneaker. That is what separates us from everyone else, that, that willingness to push the extra mile. And it's really That's cool. So we're we're really excited about that. That's so sick. Um, Leon, I'll throw it over to you after this one, one yep. last question that I've got just from, from our kickoff here from Alex, which is, gosh, this is just so fascinating. Um, I, I, uh, one of my first sort of pinned, uh, Twitter threads was around the, the idea of a logo, a, a profile pick or a piece of art in the NFT space being like this gateway to a brand or a product or a utility or some sort of a function community as well. And I just thought it was so fascinating. You look, look over the past, you know, hundred years, 200 years of, you know, sort of the industrial revolution and products. It's always that logo that you see, you know, the, the stallion on the ferrari the uh you know the swoosh for nike and it's so fascinating to hear that of course and, and it makes sense you know given your experience and your background and your knowledge base that you're now taking the sort of mathematics out of the design for the sole of your shoe and elevating that out into this gateway this you know this logo that connects to the entire narrative which i just think is kind of validated what i was trying to put down in a twitter thread but in, in, a, in a very like proof of concept way. So that, that to me is, is really extraordinary. Do you know what's really cool, Tyler, is we're on the same wavelength because I don't like to um, talk, uh, talk about this release that we've got coming up because I think we've got so many exciting things. It's important to focus on the more macro events like this sneaker release. But something that we're actually doing is we talk about in our community that we're built on some really um, monumental moments that actually either made the technology possible or define why we've got such a strong community or were the moments that like were real breakthroughs. And what we're actually doing is we've got this free release that's literally launching this week. Um, and yeah. we've made, we've made it more scarce than the number of Bricktopians we have available. So it's even competitive with our community. So, uh, wow. cause it felt, felt appropriate for the market, but we've essentially got these five infinity stones that people can collect mm. four out of five are free. And if they collect each of these pieces, they can, uh, which each one tells a unique story related to what we've created so far. And if you forge all five of them together, you actually reveal the logo. And so wow. as, a, as a community, we're coming together and it's like we're the first, I feel like we're, we might be the first brand born on the blockchain out of the community. But what I love is that it's like, you've been a part of our history own a piece of that history and use it to create our future. And that that's the way we're thinking wow. about it.
Oh, wow. That is so that. cool. Is You're like the that. first um, founder that I've, I've spoken to who actually knows what he's doing. Um, <laughs> uh, yeah, I don't know if that's a, a compliment or a diss because the en en entire NFT space, most of these founders you, you speak to, just, I don't know, most of them are just kids. Most of them don't really know what they're doing. They don't know why they want to take it. Their main utility is that they're releasing a anime or, you know, they do giveaways, all this stuff. But by what you're speaking about there, this sounds like next level just from like scanning over your twitter i didn't i didn't really see like you know i didn't think it was going to be something insane like this but straight away what we've been going for 20 minutes right now i am blown away this sounds insane um with the shoes again um you're saying how you have to burn the nft to um get access to them is this the bricktopians nft or is this a separate nft no no so it's funny i i am um, i'm massive on don't pump up the supply where it doesn't need to be pumped up. Like, so we will mm -hmm. do a free, free collection. It's a part of something I always promised, especially out of the pressure of that bull market cycle. Mm -hmm. I, I think it's something that everyone wants at some point, but I'm very selective about, hey guys, we need to get some more runs on the board with things like this that establish us so that that free collection can have legs. Um, but in terms of the going the opposite direction, which is having less NFTs, it's kind of two layers to it. The burning a Bricktopian is just an optional add-on. It's just a way that I can, it's like, oh, if 500 people go, you know what? I want to burn a Bricktopian. It's like, great. We use this release to burn another 500. We use the next one to burn another 500. We do over the next five years, we might get down to like a 4,000 PFP collection of extremely scarce, hyper-concentrated in our true fans' hands because I think mm. the supply should almost follow the hype cycle, right? Like you have the, mm, of course, the yeah. biggest the biggest supply when there's the most amount of uh, buyers in our marketplace and all that. But now, now is the era of true believers, true fans, core audience and all that. And even the best collections, like I think like Sappy Seals is one that I think they've done a great job with community building. But even them, they've only got like a thousand unique PFPs, which means on Twitter, which means that really you feel that energy of that community, but it's a thousand strong individuals that are, that are making that happen. So I, I really believe that it, it, it's like there's a famous article by a guy called Kevin Kelly, which is a thousand true fans. It's like you just need your core thousand people and that is what it takes to feel the energy. In terms of burning though, so burning a Bricktopian to get a Brain Boot NFT is optional. Okay. You, have, you have to burn, let's just call this the artwork, you have to burn the Brain Boot NFT artwork to get the physical, which make, leaves you with a choice. Do you want to hold the NFT? hold on to something that gets rarer over time and maybe do that like sell it in the future or hold it as your own digital collectible, something you can flex in your wallet. You have the rarest version of the brain boot or do you want to actually wear the thing? And I think that what's, what's fantastic is I, I think it's dangerous for a founder to talk about market dynamics or anything like that. But, you know, we see a lot of PFPs that, that go to zero. The great thing is, is okay. that there is, like it's like there are so many people that would love to have a 3d printed sneaker let's say something crazy happened there was a flash crash it went to 50 dollars. there's demand for sneakers and that there's always yeah, course, that yeah. in demand. and then on the flip side we see a travis scott shoe we see something that unique that comes along into the market um when there's we know the d dynamics when there's a greater number of people who want a fewer number of shoes and so we've thrown as many of those uh, like irons in the fire that can benefit our holders and will um, do basically be on the front foot 
about, uh, no pun intended, about making this the biggest thing possible. Funnily enough, to give you guys a bit of context, something that, that is extremely validating for us is that um, we, you know, like you see a lot of um, NFT collections collaborate with celebrities. They might like pay, uh, my favorite, my default example of this is like paying Soldier Boy 50K to tweet out your collection. That's, that's like <laughs> what I hold as the, like, um, the, the main, um, uh, the, the example of what you don't want to do. Right. Um, but we're really fortunate in that law has developed these relationships over seven years, not just with, um, he, he uses this method that he calls cat flapping, which is like to get to Virgil, right? He didn't DM Virgil like, hey, Virgil, I'd like to work with you. He worked with like Virgil's cousin, his high school girlfriend. That's like, smart. Like, That's so smart. Right? Like, like created this like network where it's like, Virgil couldn't like not hear of him uh, and, uh, and, and he just has done that on repeat for my journey has been seven years of blockchain. Him and I have actually been best friends for like 15 years and right beside me when we we're at university working in the computer lab, I'm working on my applications, writing white papers for blockchains I want to launch, all these sorts of things. He was right beside me DMing cousins, aunties, friends, all these people developing this network. But the fruit of that labor is that um, we now have relationships that are not, hey, we'll send you like two white spots and a hundred grand and you post this twice and we'll never hear from you again. We've got like, for example, like Lil Baby, like organically bought into Bricktopians um, and now is a friend of the collection. And when we we're in LA, sadly, we didn't have a wearable that we were proud to give him. But we had his manager, Jay Rich, texting us being like, are you going to come down to the studio? Can we please get like our pair of brain boots? And then we had things like um, we got hosted by Diddy's team and they were telling us, they were like pitching us. They took us to Soho house, tried to make us like feel fancy and everything. And they're like, <laughs> what? And they're, they're like, yeah, so we could like put like love hearts on it because Diddy changed his middle name to love and all that. And so what we've seen is like, okay, we have, we have exactly the like lightning in a bottle moment. Now it's our responsibility to, execute it, make sure the quality is high, make sure um, we won't have shipping delays, make sure that um, we haven't just marketed on Twitter. We've taken the time to get those articles in Hype Beast and High Snobiety. Funnily enough, you can actually read our first ever article when we were first experimenting with this on, on, on High Snobiety. I think it was from May last year. If, like, if anyone doesn't believe we were OGs seeing that this digital space was going to be um, I think the second that NFT started to take off, um, I think if you look up high somebody, it's called we've had this shoe on the we, we've had this sneaker on the brain all day, something like that. Um, or, or you can type in just brain boot. Um, there's yeah, there's an article from last May because we were working on this. Oh, I got when, it. Yeah. When it, whenever when yeah. NFTs first shut the bed after like people no peaked, sold for sixty nine million, and then everything just crashed like one of one art, and like everyone left the market. We were like. Oh no, the technology never, the technology didn't change. This is like still an amazing opportunity and no one was applying it to actual physical sneakers in this supply and demand dynamic way. And that, it, that's actually where it started life. And we were just going to make it in the, the traditional way, like the way that you'd see like a Yeezy slide made, which is like basically like a sandwich press, like a heat aluminum mold, make it in that way. But then when China shut down, we started exploring 3D printing. And the second we got into it, we we're like, Oh no no! This is how you make something. This is the revolutionary. way. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You've got a solid team behind you, by the way. You've got literally like the dream team. 
Um, this is looking so, so cool. It's mad like how on, on, on again, I'm going to go back to Twitter again, like from the surface. Yeah. You look like you're building something you look like you're just building a project and stuff like that. You're obviously creating a lot of education, helping people out, but I didn't know a clue. I didn't have a clue about any of this. And then when you dig beneath the surface, oh, like your co-founders working with like Virgil Abloh and all these massive like people. And you've been in talks with Lil Baby and you've got your own shoe and all this stuff. That is crazy. And I, I sort of respect that at the same time. The fact that you've not just sat there and absolutely pumped it every single day on Twitter, um, like most founders would. Uh, and the fact yeah, that you're just it- sort of building in silence, I guess. Yeah, it's funny, like we're building silence, but we're building loudly. I just think it's mm, like yeah. it it um it it almost comes off like more un, like untrustworthy if you're just like going around constantly talking about the the collabs you've got. And also <laughs> yeah, I think true. I think it's um it's not what if there's anything I've learned and I've learned this uh, like very like I think Facebook's motto early on was like move fast and break things. We're definitely <laughs> we're we're definitely. I like that not, actually. I like that. Yeah, I, I, it made when I heard that the other day, it made me feel a lot better about like how building in Web three feels. Um, <laughs> we're definitely not perfect, but if there's anything I've learned, it's that um, managing expectations is more important than almost like what you build, right? Like the mm. the reason Goblin Town blew up was because it was a free mint, no one expected anything. So when it started to get traction, it was like. It was like the, the ultimate over under promise over deliver. And what, if there's anything I know about celebrities, I actually posted a video about this yesterday. I'm trying to start, I feel, I feel like more people should be posting videos on Twitter. So I just started in the past two days. Um, but if there's anything I know about celebrities, it's like, even if you have these relationships, I have this relationship with like some of my best friends where even if they're like, yeah, we love this. We want to post this, blah, blah, blah. You might not get onto them for a week. You might not get onto them for three weeks. You might not um, hear back from them for a minute. These things are really organic. So what we found the best approach is, is have as many of these irons in the fire as possible. Have these relationships. Don't set the community's expectations waiting for like Lucas Sabat or all these people that um, might have cultural influence to bring dinner home. But then when they do, it's amazing. So like yeah. I talk I talk about the little baby stuff, but it, it, it would just be... Um, if you tell people about it too aggressively, you've given away like all the dopamine of that moment. And then you can yeah, only, go back, only go backwards. Whereas when little baby is like captured on a red carpet, wearing a pair of brain boots, it's like, wait, what? And then you just <laughs> blast the shit out of that. Those sorts of that, that, those are the moments I live for. And so, um, yeah, we're, we're very, we've had to learn to, even with what you're building, like I now kind of keep things, only one step ahead. It's basically like saying, hey, this um, logo creation reveal that we're all going to share together, that's the next thing. And then after that, it's this. And then after that, we know it's an evolving market. You've got to keep things flexible. Even though I have plans for Q2, Q3, Q4 next year, I don't want to reveal any of them because even speaking about a free collection earlier this year, I think shot us in the foot a little bit because if we were just firmer with the idea that maybe that's not the most beneficial thing for everyone and we should mm. work on more deflationary mechanisms, consolidate the original, I'd have that flexibility now versus having um, uh, essentially promises that you have to deliver on because you do have to deliver on them. Mm-hmm. 
true. Yeah, uh, that's that's very true in the NFT space. Um, everyone wow. is very impatient, and if you say something and don't deliver on it, you are getting shot, shot, shot. Like yeah. that's it. Your your project's like terrible. It's a rug pull. Everything. So make sure you don't say anything unless you're hundred percent certain you're going to deliver on that. Exactly. Um, yeah. Um, right. Going to um, going into your journey and how you started in the space. We're going to go in like chronological order and like how you originally got into this project and the space. Um, so you started um, with blockchain, right? You started yeah. uh, over seven years ago. How did that start? How was you introduced into that? Yeah. So I um my I basically finished school. So I was nineteen when I started. Uh-huh. I'm twenty six. Twenty six now, um, and. I was the kid at school who always would say the sentence work smarter, not harder as like an excuse to not study. And, but I also, I also really found, I just couldn't do well in um, under like someone else's structure. I would like, you ever get go? Uh, Cause I, I, I've obviously had jobs in the past. You ever have like a meeting and you know that that meeting is pointless, but like, oh, senior, senior management, says we have to have a meeting with like eight people in it and you say one sentence those are like the moments in my in life that absolutely grind me i just want to run like as effectively as possible and this is something i'm going to release a video on today which is the if there's anything i've learned in my journey over that seven years is the way to accelerate any success of like what you're trying to create is just constantly question it it does matter how hard you work. Don't don't put that aside. But right. if if we use hyperbole, like it doesn't matter how hard you work. What matters way more is what you're working on and how you're mm-hmm. doing it. Like um, you could spend seven hours today DMing people one at a time about your project, or you could spend twenty minutes and go on one Twitter space with two hundred people and speak in a really organic way. And th- those twenty minutes are comp- way more valuable than the other six and a half hours. You could go yeah. in the park and s- sit and have a picnic and you've already done a better job. And I'm obsessed with those types of scenarios. And I think that's what drew me to entrepreneurship, which was just, I want to create something for myself. Uh, I find it a really enjoyable creative pursuit. Um, I, I, it, it just, it feels like um, it is the only thing I think the only way in our own lives that you can kind of live your own hero's journey. And what I, what you'll find over that journey is your journey literally doesn't matter to anyone else except you. So you need to make sure you like it and you enjoy it. Um, yeah. And so I was really obsessed with the app space in around, uh, what would that be? 2015, 2014, 2015. Even when I um, graduated school, I was like, I'll go to university because um, neither of my parents went to university. And so I, I felt like it was a, the right thing to do. Um, but it's funny, even my dad has these tendencies. I think he changed course like four times and then eventually dropped out um, to start his own, his own entrepreneurial journey. Um, and I really wanted to create apps um, because that was the NFT of the time. It was like the way to, um, it wasn't about e-commerce. It wasn't about Shopify. It wasn't about anything. The, the businesses to start were, um, apps. So I got into that space, learned a lot about UX and everything, tried my hand at a bunch of other things, putting advertising on water bottles, couldn't figure out how to get them manufactured. I was 19, but I was just obsessed with creating and also learning. So a great book I, I came across was one called Business Model Generation, kind of completely opened my mind to, oh, you can take any product and turn it into a subscription model, into a long tail business model, into like the reason bit, uh, products succeed is not because of the product itself. 
Um, it's because of how the actual business engineer kept going down that rabbit hole. And then my dad, my dad actually came to me one day and he said, look, you don't listen to me about a lot of things, but I really, I really think you should listen to me about this. You're trying to do all your entrepreneurial stuff. So, uh, someone mentioned to me something about blockchain. I don't fully get it, but it sounds like there's a lot of opportunity what? there. Maybe, no way. Maybe, maybe you should check it out. And so, by the way, to skip to the end of the story, a big reason I, I make the content I make is that I appreciate the fact that not everyone will have a dad that comes home and tells them, hey, maybe you should look at this next big thing that has a lot of promise. So I try to share as many of those insights that I wish I had or, or that I was lucky enough to have, sorry, um, for anyone that hasn't had them themselves. So that's like part of why I'm really passionate. But, um, but when I first got into blockchain, I was like, he, so he mentioned that to me. I looked up a video. I Googled what I YouTube, what is blockchain? And there was a video with about, I think it was like 1,500 views. It was in front of the, the lamest, um, oh, business model generation is by, um, by the way, it's by a company called Strategizer and the author is Alexander Osterwald. Um, and Definitely. another one, another one to add to the mix, if you want to just succeed at life, Growth Hacker Marketing is the other amazing book. What's that um, one again? Growth hacker marketing. So Hotmail, these are the stories that just inspired the hell out of me. Hotmail grew to like 100 million users and they had $0 spent in advertising. They weren't paying influencers on Twitter to talk about Hotmail. All they did was put one little line at the bottom of every email saying, with love from Hotmail, sign up for free email. And that turned every single email that was sent with their service into an advertisement. They grew to 100 million users Zero dollars wow. advertising oh, spent. Crazy. These sorts of stories are like what get me going. <clears throat> Sweet. Anyway, Thank you. So without, yeah, without like boring everyone, basically at this time, the imagine if I told you to look up ZK Snarks right now. Some people might not know what that is. And I'm like, just go and learn everything about ZK Snarks. This is a, these are called zero knowledge proofs. It's how you do like blockchain transactions and, and movements without actually knowing what the data is. And you'd be like, that sounds boring AF and like, I'm not going to sit here and watch these YouTube videos and where am I going to find a ZK Snarks event in my city? <laughs> that is what it was like in 2015. It was like, you kind of had to just have a hunch and just follow the rabbit hole. And so I started going to any blockchain event I could go to in Melbourne, um, which is where I live in Australia. Right. Um, a great place if you want to find events like this is meetup.com is amazing for it. That's, that's where I got started. Usually they're free. I kept on going to events and every single one of them was just intro to blockchain. What is a blockchain? What is a blockchain? What is a blockchain? I'm like, I know what a blockchain is. I want to, I want to hear about how you can make a casino where everyone who owns the tokens is the house and the pot gets divided amongst those people. I want to hear about how you can track blood diamonds and know that a diamond is ethically sourced. I want to know how, where my beef came from and know that it changed hands adequately without any tampering. These are the sorts of things I was obsessed with. And it just seemed like, holy shit. Okay. I was late to the app thing, but if I, if I just like figure this thing out, I'm going to create an app on the blockchain. I'll be like one of the first people to do something like that. And so fast forward, by the way, Anything that it sounded like a good idea, we're here, what, like six years after that point, none of them are implemented. There was right. decentralized, decentralized Uber, an Uber with no company 
where drivers get paid more because there's no margin and riders pay less. Who wouldn't want that? Well, guess what? It turns out people don't know how to own a crypto wallet. People don't know how to top up mm. their MetaMask. They don't know how to do all these things. For anyone wanting to build in this space, you need to understand it's not just technology, it's cultural change, it's user understanding. These are the things that I didn't, I still didn't appreciate. That took me four, four more years really to finally get. It's like, oh, just because this is a cool idea and it has the word blockchain in front of it doesn't mean people want to use it. But anyway, so I was in Melbourne. I was getting bored of going to all the same events. We're in Australia. We're far away from the world. No one cares about us in terms of technology. So so um, I decided, I'm like, that's it. I'm going to a blockchain event in New York. I don't know why I thought New York was the place, but I was like, I'm going to go to an event in New York. And um, my co-founder now, Law, he also was like, well, I want to know what's going on in fashion in New York. I'm getting bored over here like in Melbourne. I'm having a similar experience. So we saved up and we... Um, I think our entire budget for the trip was like $2,000, which if you know Australia, that's like the flight, the price of the flight. <laughs> we, we stayed in a one-bedroom apartment where the whole room was a bed, one bed. You couldn't actually walk Nice. It didn't, it didn't have a toilet. The toilet was like a communal toilet and we did all this. But we both were like in the heart of what we were excited about. And so from that, at the event, all I did was just try to say hi to as many people as possible. One high got me invited to another meetup. I went to that meetup. I got I met someone who worked at Consensus, which is like the consulting arm of Ethereum. They said, why don't you come to um, our office in Brooklyn? I go to the office in Brooklyn. I just went one by one to every person in the office. And I was like, tell me what you do. And because I, I didn't know what I wanted to do. I didn't have a job. I thought I thought I had all these great ideas, but let's be real. I had no clue what I was doing. <laughs> and then I, I finally met this guy. Um, I'm going to give him a shout out. Maybe, maybe there's a chance to watch it. But um, this guy, I met this guy called Arthur Falls, who was doing the podcast for Consensus. And he basically said, he's like, if you want to meet people, um, if you want to get like a job or find engineers or do whatever you want to do, just start a podcast. Because even if no one listens, it's your excuse to speak to amazing people. Um, and I was like, that sounds like a really cool idea. So I actually started the Melbourne's first ever Ethereum meetup. I put put up a page, never hosted a meetup, but I will take the declaration that I was the first ever Ethereum, <laughs> Ethereum meetup page in Melbourne. And a, a guy reached out to me um, and he said, hey, like I'm really passionate about Ethereum too. Uh, I'd love to do this with you. Him and I became friends. We ran into each other at a couple events. Um, and then eventually he basically said, I was trying to start a sneaker authentication blockchain because I, was, I just bought a pair of fake Yeezys that were so fake, they'd never arrived. Um, <laughs> uh, and I bought them through Instagram with PayPal, friends and family, all the things oh, you nice. do. The original rug pull, right? Um, <laughs> and I was so frustrated by that. That was like my Batman origin story of, um, of wanting to get into the space. Um, but then... Uh, and wanting to create a sneaker authentication blockchain because it just felt so obvious. Like we need to track, are oh, Yeezy's real? Does this person own it? Like, like I need to know authentically if they have this. So I started back then, everything was becoming a token and a white paper was a business. I started to write a white paper, never launched, never launched it. But this guy who I'd met, I was just, I think around 20 or 21 at the time. And he said, hey, look, I'm getting into like the blockchain energy space. Why don't you come and intern for me for six months? I'll show you how I'm running things. And then you can go and do your own project because I think that would be really beneficial to you. 
So then one thing led to another. I interned, ended up getting my first job, stayed there for four years. And that's where oh, wow. I really, I got, I got to cut my teeth in like understanding. Uh, I really found that my strength was um, in, you have this amazing technology that no one understands because engineers are the ones explaining it. So it's uh, like, if you can be, mm. if you can be, if you can just make it simple, um, not just like what a blockchain is, but why it's relevant to your business. Like, like what we were saying, it's like, um, Starbucks don't say the word NFT. They'll say like digital collectible, like, like those little nuances matter. And so if you can be skilled at, at, at communicating those nuances of why something's actually impactful to a business, rather than just saying, you guys need to be in the metaverse or you guys need a blockchain or anything like exactly. that, we'll go so much further. And then, so in my, in 2021, I bought my first top shot. Um, yeah. uh, that was my first, so funnily enough, the same mentor, he actually, um, came to me one day, it was like in January, 2018, he's like, Alex, you got to see this thing called crypto kitties. There's this new like Ethereum contract, ERC721, blah, 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 something like that. Something along those lines. I don't know if that contract standard was out at that point, but it was like a new, and he showed me MetaMask. I was like, what is this dumb Fox application? Why would I care? <laughs> um, and I was like, all right, cool. And I moved on with my life. Um, oh. and, and if there's any lesson I learned from that, it's don't let a sudden, I actually posted about this today as well. Don't let a sudden massive understanding blind you from like being a lifelong learner. Like if I just had brought the same curiosity I brought to blockchain in the first place, I um, I would have probably been a lot earlier to those sorts of things and, and felt a little, no one could have predicted CryptoPunks in the way that it blew up, but I would have felt more excited about those sorts of opportunities and probably seen these like sneaker opportunities a lot sooner. Also, I should tell talk about the first time I invested in Ethereum. I am a very, uh, I, favorite story to tell, in terms of like, yeah, cool, you invested at $45. It's actually one of my biggest mistakes, which was I hung out with Consensus in 2016. The guys building on Ethereum, they told me what they were building. I loved it. I wanted to build applications on Ethereum. And I just was like, yeah, I'll get to it. I'll, I'll, oh, I'll no. And so um, it was $20 at the time. Then there was this massive crash um, from uh, basically... Um, this massive DAO crumbling, which is actually why we have Ethereum Classic and Ethereum, because they had to fork the blockchain. Ethereum was $10. I knew that it was um, not the fault of the blockchain. It was the fault of some bad actors. So it changed nothing about the potential. And then I told everyone about Ethereum. I was so excited, blah, blah, blah. Never bought. And then it took one of my friends saying, wow, Alex, you must be killing it. Um, Ethereum's $45 oh, no. down. I was like, okay, now I'm finally going to actually like sit down. <laughs> um, That's amazing. That's amazing. Um, you've you've kind of actually answered the, my two upcoming questions already. And I, I want to go back to uh, t asking you a little bit about, um, you know, working with the brands such as NBA and some of these large brands you work for. But I just want to ask two things before we jump in there. One, shout out to Dapper Labs and Crypto Kitty. So Dapper Labs here in yeah, Vancouver, yeah. British Columbia. That's my backyard. So those guys are amazing, uh, you know, sort of creating that incredible out of the gates top shot experience. We had Nick Lowe, who does uh, Run As You Are. Um, he's a he's a really um, awesome creator here in Vancouver. His first NFT was uh, also uh, out of top shop. So really cool that that's sort of a lot of people's sort of origin story for getting into the uh, the NFT space, because I think they took a lot of the complexities and frictions out of, you know, getting into the space with wallets and so on. Um, but one piece I wanted to touch on as you were talking, Alex, that, you know, really resonated uh, with me and, and 
a little thread I put out on Twitter as well, just sort of some of my thoughts on the space and why it's, you know, struggling so much, uh, you know, right now, particularly when you think about, you know, geopolitics and, you know, big uh, corporations and sort of the banking industry. And, you know, I think that they, they've been they've been looking very with a very, you know, critical eye at the developing blockchain space back to when you were talking about, you know, I want to know where my, you know, organic beef's coming from. I want to know, you know, blood diamonds, you know, you know, this this really altruistic and extraordinarily effective use of a technology for, you know, increasing the um, empathy of the human you know, connection to our space and the world and the e ecology, you know, just this really massive, mind blowing, big idea. And, you know, four years later, five years later, we still haven't, you know, made that come to fruition yet. And I, and I think, you know, part of it is the frictions, the challenges, the issues around wallets and sort of understanding it. And of course, as you said, Alex, you know, engineers are the ones that are marketing the idea. So no, no slag in engineers, but you know, perhaps they don't have the, the skill set around marketing, you know, that you've developed over the years and, and through some of those books you've referenced for us and experiences. But I also think sort of the, the dark shadow in the, in the room is a lot of these large corporations that are just like, hold on, like we've, we've handled this for like 50, 60, 70 years. Now we've got this whole machine down pat, like we're not just going to let some blockchain come along and kick us off, you know, our throne, like fuck that. So all this stuff with FTX and all this crazy shit going on behind the scenes, like you've just, I'm not a big conspiracy theorist, theorist. I think it's just in plain sight. And it's just, yeah, they're, they're the old way of doing uh, business and everything is so extraordinarily embedded. They're not just going to like give it up and be like, yep, here you go. Blockchain. You got this now you take over. You've got a way better model. No way. Right. So I just wanted to share that that insight with you as you were saying that. And uh, yeah, so I just would love to hear a little bit more about um, your your the big brands you've worked with. Yeah. So I just want to build on what you said, though, because it's funny. Um, in 2011, um, in 2011, um, big banks were basically coming out and saying terrorists and human traffickers are using Bitcoin. And it's like, hold on, you guys are doing the banking for terrorists and human trafficking. Like, yeah. um, and, and it's like, if you've seen any documentaries, I think it was HSBC got caught just like, yeah, we'll just have cartel money. Like, what's the problem? Oh, we'll pay a little bit of a fine, which is nothing compared to what we've paid, what we've um, gained in the process. And then the other side is um, through being really blockchain centric and essentially uh, early on, which was almost entirely finance based, like a financial market space, like people would just think about Bitcoin, moving money, Ripple, all these sorts of things. Um, people don't realize that even when they talk about banks getting on blockchains, the market is extremely inefficient right now because let's say if I was to do a regular bank transfer, not like a, a MoneyGram or, or uh, what's it called? Uh, Western Union or, or thing like that. If you, if you just to do a bank transfer, my money will probably go from Australia to South Africa. South Africa to um, Germany, Germany to Canada, Canada to the US. There'll be some crazy ping pong of how the money is tracked and ledgered and the time and costs that it takes to do that. But why would they change that system if they're getting fees the entire way? Why would they go, oh, we actually have now a system where we could go direct one-to-one -one with each other 
uh, why would we want to do that? Yeah. We've all kind of got a handshake. Like, like uh, it benefits all of us. So yeah, it's it's a really great point. I'll get I'll talk about the brand stuff because I think it it's it's good. We're we're up to that point in the story, which is 2021. So I um I loved my time in blockchain and energy, but something I realized I'm really bad at. It's like and this I hope this is a good story for anyone that feels that they're in the the wrong spot. Is that I'm really bad at marketing business to business. Love speaking to people. I can get people really excited about stuff. I just don't get, I don't have enough years under the belt of working in a corporate um, landscape to understand how relationships, how like, yeah, the head of innovation might love something, but you actually have to massage the finance dude. And that person is the decision maker. And this person is the blocker. And that committee needs to come approved. And I'm like, hold on, hold on. You can't just tell people that you got a great product or a great software or something like that. And it just gets implemented. Whereas direct to consumer, it's very honest. If you want a brain boot, you buy a brain boot. You don't want a brain boot, you don't buy a brain boot. And I, I like that hand-to-hand combat a lot better. And I was starting to realize that I just wasn't very suited to that sort of environment. So I was starting to get ready to, to grow. And so after, um, after I bought my first top shop, I got the bug. I was like, yep, this is where I want to move, the space I want to move into. Laura and I started um, making the brain boot as like a side project for both of us. Then he got brought into... Um, uh, he got brought into the Lamello Ball um, uh, NFT release, which was like one of the first NFT releases by an athlete. And it was very much a um, conversation of like, one of us wins, we all win. And so he um, he did that project. I, I really had nothing to do with it other than giving him consultation around what is appropriate for like an NFT buyer. Right. And, but then that that relationship, he introduced me to the guys behind that. And those guys were directly embedded with the NBA. And they, and we we started to develop a, a relationship. And they said, I feel like I can talk about this project now. So maybe this is an exclusive. Um, but they, I developed, <laughs> I've, I've developed a, a great friendship with the guys who are essentially responsible for anything the NBA does with NFTs. They recently did like a free drop called The Association. But that's really just them dipping their toes in the water. They've got much bigger ideas. And where this was really starting to kick off was in the area of fractionalized memorabilia. Right. Buying, buying um, like, uh, I think the, the jersey that we were using as, as the, the grail piece within this that was actually owned by the team is Giannis Antetokounmpo's 50-point um, Game 6 championship jersey. Um, it's, like, it's like that might be a $400,000 asset, but... Um. Not, no, not many people have $400,000 lying around that they want to spend on one piece of memorabilia. So the idea was how can we create a marketplace and an incentive model where people um, can fractionally own the piece of memorabilia, but then if someone owns enough of the NFTs, they can like buy out the market and actually take it private and just redeem the, the piece of memorabilia. Mm-hmm. So what was really cool is I basically... Uh, and this was the first thing I'd ever built myself with my own dev team. And it is really the only reason that I was, I had any qualifications at all to be able to build Bricktopians was we built out that platform entirely as a proof of concept for the NBA. It's like, this is what you can do and here's how it can work. And here's how, what the customer experience is. And, and here's um, why, look, let's speak commercially. You can generate more revenue selling lots of little pieces Mm-hmm. It's like one big, one big piece, which might be worth like two hundred thousand dollars, and so to an extent, everyone sort of wins. 
Giannis becomes MVP again um, and wins another championship and another championship and another one and retires. You can imagine the way we were thinking about the value dynamics in comparison to something that we might traditionally know in the physical world, like trading card. But what's really cool is, and this is my advice for anyone who wants to follow a similar path of getting into these brands. You get one brand name under your belt, you Just get go. on, you go on to the next one, you go on to the next one. And then you get, get into the sentence like, um, so then immediately that experience got, um, someone heard I did that, someone from Cricket Australia, which is like our NBA for cricket right. in Australia, goes, hey, I heard you did this. Like, can you help us? And so then in that job, I got to sit on a different side of the fence, which was sit within the, the within the corporate, um, being their blockchain expert. They got to play, oh, wow. They, they got Is that what you did every time? You're like, on the blockchain. Did you just walk oh. in like this? <laughs> well, well, I, I'm more or less. Um, and by the way, for anyone that's just listening, you, I, I made an exaggerated pose because I do in no way see myself like that. <laughs> but, but actually... To, to an extent, though, I was a blockchain expert in the right way, which was they didn't need an engineer. What they needed was someone who understood buyer behavior and had enough of an understanding of the blockchain right. stuff or that that they could call bullshit. Like, so I basically played defense for them and sat and heard them get pitched by multiple companies, one of which was Dapper Labs. Oh, nice. Um, so wow. I, I sat, so I sat on the, the other side of a Dapper Labs call at, but I must admit, as someone that was recently burnt by Topshop, which flooded the market with oversupply. And so when I was sitting in a pitch and I'm hearing them talking about, we have the perfect dynamics of supply and demand to balance user engagement. And I'm like, I was one of the first users and I got burnt. So I don't know how I feel about that. Um, <laughs> nice. <laughs> yeah, but they weren't the most suited to, to the tender anyway. But I got to sit on that side of the table fielding questions. And the next job I got leveraged into is we've got like a, a company called Sephora in Australia, which is, sorry, a company like Sephora called Mecca in Australia. Okay. So it's like Sephora for Southeast Asia and Australia. It's right. got like 400 million, uh, not 400 million, 4 million people on their membership list. And their membership um, is basically almost like a frequent flyer membership that is so aggressively used by any female person that you would have in your life in Australia. Everyone you know <laughs> uses this like crazy. And I got brought in to evaluate how they could transition that into a Web3 model, create like a scoping architecture for how to do that. And then basically after that, I just hung up my boots and, and continued on with Bricktopians. I've been brought into smaller consulting gigs here and there, but if there's anything I learned, it's like all you need to be able to do, yeah, cool, building an architecture and an actual platform for the NBA. That's a big one. It's um, pretty cool. But all, all you really need to do to be able to consult to other brands, to brands, is know a little bit more about blockchain than the people in the room do because no yeah. one wants to be the executive that is dumb and gets called out. They'd much rather you be the dumb person that gets called out. So if you can know a little bit more than everyone else, explain to people why it's relevant without getting too technical, just saying like, your kids buy Fortnite skins. Your customers will soon be buying, wanting a digital version of their physical product so that they can show it off without having to wear it. Like things like that. Like if you can say sentences like that, you are instantly invaluable um, to any brand that is looking to get into the space. And it's underestimated how many brands are wanting to do that. You just need to spend all the time you spend on Twitter, just do the same thing, but go on LinkedIn 
and you will find wow. those opportunities, right? And then the second part of that is go to meetups in your local city because execs go there. And if everyone is speaking to them in hardcore jargon and you're speaking regular language and, and understand things, once again, it's like, all right, we need someone to evaluate this blockchain project we want to do. I'll bring in Alex. And then one relationship gets you the next, gets you the next, gets you the next. I don't really post on LinkedIn. Now I just get handshakes from people being like, hey, Alex, can you like come in and do like five hours of um, evaluating this and we'll pay you X? I don't do that anymore because I don't really have time. But that's where, where it was heading. And it's funny to see that fork in the road of how easy it is once you get that first little bit of momentum. If, if you need to offload any of that work, Alex, uh, Leanne and I are available. He can just send those fans over. We'll happy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, happy. We can yeah, say yeah. those sentences. We can say those sentences. Yeah, yeah. No, but that's really, really uh, super fascinating. And, uh, you know, kind of, you know, I love how you sort of brought it between different, like it's a similar approach in being able to take what you know, uh, translate something that's fairly complex into simple and understandable, evaluate for the bigger brands out there that don't have somebody on staff that they don't, they don't like they have a little bit of knowledge, which, which could be even more dangerous and then turn that into a consulting uh, approach and uh, how to get out to people. So this is the alpha folks listening uh, out there. This is really key info. Of course you can, you can find Alex uh, on Twitter. He probably writes threads about this all the time. He's going to start probably putting up some videos, which I've heard is a really smart idea. Uh, for Twitter as Elon tries to build it out into the, the future uh, space there for, for all, for all kinds of, you know, uh, content to move across. So over to you, Leon, I think you've, you've got this next one. Here. Yep. Um, so now we're just going to go over some, um, we'll carry on with uh, your journey in a minute, but we're just going to go over some, the crypto space and what's happening right now. And just some like general pieces of advice. And then after that, we'll go back to like when you uh, built uh, Bricktopians and then, you know, go through, that little yeah. period right there. So um, let me tell you, that one was that one was a a fiery, intense period. I can't wait to share the. Okay, okay, we'll get to it. We'll get to it. We'll get to the crypto ones. Okay, yeah. so we got two okay questions, and then it, then we'll go to the fire. Um, so I mean, actually, you know what? Talking about fire, the crypto space right now. Um, I don't, I don't really know where to start. There's over the past, I'd say, even two months, six months, a year, the crypto space has been just. I literally don't know what to say. There's been so much out. Literally every single week, there's just a bombshell released. Um, and of course, the recent recent events, uh, Binance, FTX, all that stuff. Uh, markets are down. We're seeing absolute spikes in price. We're seeing dumps in price. We're seeing pumps in price. Literally every single day, there's something new on Twitter. Like this has just happened. These just dumped all this money. This has just happened. Um, what's your entire like general macro thoughts on the crypto uh, space right now? Yeah, the first thing I'd say is don't, um, to anyone listening that only lives in crypto, don't feel like it's just the crypto space. Um, the stock market is absolutely destroyed. And it, most of us who have experienced this long enough will know that the crypto market does correlate with the stock market more and more these days. In like 2011, it didn't as much. Um, if you like look, if you want to go back and look historically, I believe it was a little bit more asynchronous because people looked at crypto as this like, counter market um asset yeah, like like i'm i'm gonna when the mar the world has gone bad i'm gonna buy bitcoin but now it's mm. become every um every stock investor's speculative asset and when <laughs> stocks go bad they go shit i gotta get out of this crypto so at least that's safe right so the big thing is don't feel bad that it's just crypto because it is the whole world even our housing market in australia is starting to come down um 
The second thing I'd say is that I, I shared a thread on this the other day because I was curious myself how long it takes to be a crypto millionaire. Let's say this is a great headline for anything. Um, <laughs> if you invested $10,000 like, and you were perfect in what you did, the, the answer to that is based on our history, you couldn't have become a millionaire within in less than four and a half years. So a lot of pe- a lot of us feel like we see overnight successes um, where it's like this person I know they just retired with 800,000 off ETH when we see those stories in the bull market. Mm-hmm. feels like that happened in the space of a year, but even the, those stories could not have happened for within like a four and a half year time span. So once you know that, it's a very liberating piece of knowledge to know that the day-to-day swings of the market don't really matter. And right. so yeah, of as long as you're buying into something that will be here four and a half years from now, otherwise you need to be really certain of a, either a speculation window or that you have some unique knowledge on an altcoin. Um, Cause there are great altcoins. Like I think um, like if we think about it, Solana performed great in the bull market. If you yeah. got in early on that and got out early, you, you would have outperformed traditional coins like ETH and Bitcoin. So you can still win in that way. But for me, I'm a boring investor. Uh, it's just Bitcoin and Ethereum. I, I don't think we, I think in crypto, we can underappreciate how ridiculously good the returns are when they are good compared That's to a, a, any investing asset that we see in like anywhere in the world. Um, so don't, don't, we shouldn't take that for granted and feel like, you know what, I'm already risking inve- investing in the riskiest market in the world. Let me add some more risk to that by picking an altcoin I read about on Reddit just right. this afternoon, right? Like um, you, can, you can actually succeed massively by sticking with the traditional. I'm not going to tell you to invest in ETH or Bitcoin because I think it's, it's dangerous to tell people to go and do something. Um, but I'll tell you what I'm doing, which is I'm just buying, really, I'm just buying ETH. But I, I may buy some more Bitcoin. The reason I'm doing that is because one simple fact, I build on it. I use it. I know that I am continuing to use it. When I don't want to use it anymore because something else makes so much more sense, that'll be my, my time where I sell half my ETH, all my ETH, and I go, let me put some into that because if as a builder, it makes more sense for me to build elsewhere, why would I not invest in that thing? Right. Um, but... but ETH has the most developers on it, has the most the most amount of NFT buyers on it, is like the home of DeFi. For me, that will always be my play. But in terms of not getting too emotional, I have two, I, I wrote a thread on this a while ago as well. I have like a mindset with it, which is I have prices that I would buy again at and I have prices that I would sell like half my stack at. And therefore, if those are my rules, nothing that happens in between matters. Right. Like, yeah. like I've, uh, you, you don't have to go all in with your cash reserves every time there's an opportunity. You also mm-hmm. don't have to sell all your ETH when, or your crypto when you're happy with it. You can sell half of it. You can sell a quarter of it. Right. Yeah. It's, forget better that. To, it's better to bet that you could be wrong than to go, this is with all the information I have, this is the bet. So for me, I think, I think I wrote it there. I can't remember the exact numbers, but um, if it ever gets this close, I will revisit it and stick to it. But it was something like, if ETH goes to $800, like I put in like 25% of the cash I have. If ETH goes to $500, I put in another 25%. If it went to $200, I put another 25%. If it went right. to $100, put another 25%. And if it never hits any of those, that's fine. That means I'm doing great. And then if it hits like, um, for me, it, it, it's 2X the previous peak, 
hits 2x the previous peak, I'm cashing out like 60% of my stack and I'll probably be happy. I'll at least have more than I had at the previous peak. And then if it continues to go, great. And if it goes to literally zero, Ethereum falls apart. All the nodes fall apart. The, the government takes over the new staking nodes. Whatever. I've cashed out 60%. So that right. way, the, the, the day-to-day weather doesn't affect me as much. Now, where it does hurt me is um, I am trying to um, sell my ape. And having something that illiquid is where you wake up and you're like, damn because now we're seeing a correlation between nft prices and crypto falling you'd think crypto falling would make nfts more valuable in ETH, but what happens is people want to liquidate quickly and that tanks price so that is one i'm i'm certainly not perfect in in strategy or like sound of mind or anything um that that is one where i'm like ah shit this these ftx guys just wiped me out um um, but from a purely crypto buying perspective i feel pretty comfortable because I feel confident in ETH as a four and another, another four and a half years from now. And I will have certain levels where I'd buy at, where I'd sell at. So I never have to wake up and go, everything's up 20%. Should I sell or everything's down 20%? Should I buy? Not a, a question that's even in my vocabulary. Mm. Going back to um, what you're talking about before uh, with these random crypto traders that you see, like, you know, making millions in like the space of like, you know, six months a year there that's like we're seeing on twitter on tiktok on instagram youtube all that the people who are making money on there we're seeing like the top 0.00001 percent of people and that's all that social media is you just see the best of people and yeah. that has built so much fear into the market um like obviously i i sit there and teach traders every single day mm-hmm. and all of them come in and say oh i saw this guy like you know flip from 10 10 10 pound to like 30,000 in three days like how do I do that but it's because we're controlled by like the perfect expectations and the only people you see online are the like the like I said the perfect people and that has just put so much you know I don't know it's just ruined the average investor the average trader the average retail trader all these people have just been ruined by social media and thinking that that's such a possibility um, yeah I I heard a sorry to interrupt you but no, I, so I heard go, go for it I heard a great quote yesterday, actually, that the media is not like, you know, we talk here about media bias or the media mm-hmm. is like, um, uh, like they overhype or over, um, what's the word? Like they exaggerate everything yeah. and we blame, we blame the media, but the media is a reflection of what people want to see. Like it exists oh, yeah, in, that way, yeah, yeah, of course. in that way because that, that's what gets clicks. That's what people want to read. They want to read yeah. about stuff that makes them angry about their opponent. Similarly, it's like, why do so many fake gurus exist promising like absolutely unfair standards when some of the best educators who will actually like give you the keys to growth in a more reasonable way, they um, find it much more challenging. Like you might find this yourself, Leon. Well, you see someone promising. Yeah, Um, yeah. Yeah, literally on TikTok, the most annoying thing ever, right? I can sit there and work on like a video for like an hour providing the best education all free education best youtubers best podcasts like education courses and i'll make a tiktok of just like you know some money on my desk 10 times views like my like one of my biggest tiktoks that um got like a like multiple thousands in our discord was literally me with some money i was making just like a clickbait tiktok just some money on the desk and it got like a hundred thousand views and it got like four thousand people in the discord then the next video it's like 
oh, I'm going to teach you the entirety of Forex. This is how to start investing. This is how to do this. It gets like a few hundred views. It's, like, <laughs> it's so sad because people don't care. They don't care about, yeah. oh, I'm going to learn how to do it. They just want to, oh, money, money, quick money, fast. That's it, done. Um, but it's really, yeah. it is quite depressing. So on TikTok, you've got a sort of, I mean, it's mainly TikTok because the attention span on TikTok, you know, is like horrendous. It's like a two second attention span. So you've got to sort of balance it in between like, if you don't even like, you know, exaggerate your voice or do a bit dramatic effects or put a bit of money in the video, you just, there's no point even doing TikTok. So you've got to half do it to the point where you're not looking like a scammy bastard and like trying to just sell <laughs> courses and stuff like that. And you've got half do like the education, you know, bit in the middle, um, which is really sad because um, I hate doing that. I kind of like it at the same time. I can't lie. But at the same time, I hate it because it just makes you look like such a scumbag. But people don't my, care if you don't do that stuff, which is really, really sad. My new channel, Scammy Bastard. I just came out. I'm scammy just Bastard. That's 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 scammy Bastard. Um, <laughs> you just lean into it. It's like how to scam That's very people. British. Um, yeah, that's it. Scammy <laughs> Bastard. Um, 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 yeah. Um, going. Um, oh, go on, go on. It's you funny go. you say that. Yeah, just to add on that. Like, yep. you know me. I am... Um, I, I like I post these daily threads and it's something that I've mm. had to a lot of people message me about like oh I want to write about what I want to write about and blah 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 and I'm like and I, I I've done a lot of those threads that are like this is a for me thread like like or it's for someone who really wants to learn but it's not like it's just not going to get the views and like you have to it sucks I wish I could just say to people people like how do you grow on Twitter I could never write a thread again and just write say one thing it's like show up every day, post tweets every day, post a thread every day, go in two spaces a day, you will grow. Just do that. It's simple. It's a simple formula. It's not fun, but you will grow. And that's what I did yeah. for the most part. But everyone wants to know, Alex, what are the shortcuts you learned along the way? It's like, yeah, but if, you, if you're focusing too hard on the shortcuts, you won't do the things that matter. And so, yeah, we do have to find this balance as educators. I've noticed that you need to find, you almost need to be an educator and an entertainer. And look, if some people are re reading my stuff, they are taking one or two things away from it, but they're entertained. I'm also happy with that. Yeah. Um, moving on um, back into NFTs. Uh, we've got a question about the cool. NFT space and then covering the old project. Um, and then we'll, we'll wrap it up with our final little special question. Um, but the NFT space, as you know, is controlled by hype, supply and demand, like you say. And unfortunately, uh, it's, it's took a bad turn and it's just controlled by fake engagement, basically. Uh, Discord and Twitter. Uh, we had like Bento on the podcast there last time and he was saying the exact same. He was like, uh, I'll admit it, like most of my Twitter followers are fake, but there's literally nothing you can do in the space because without like the fake Twitter followers, like you can't do anything. You, you, there's there's nothing if i'm like sat here on 500 400 followers on twitter um and no one cares about me but if i went and bought 20k fake followers to be like oh wow he has 20k followers i might actually listen to him which is really depressing same with nft projects um like if we it'd be really funny if we stripped like all the fake followers from every project and just saw all these projects naked with like they got immediately go from like 250k followers to like 3000 that'd be hilarious um do you think um long term do you think this will slowly change and um transfer over to you know i don't know like the nft space right now is just full of it's still full of just pump projects like terrible projects being released on the daily do you think we'll and like eventually move yeah, over to sure. like the solid like top 50 massive projects and that's it 
um like we'll have the like the nike and the adidas of the nft space and all these little ones they won't even like you know um i don't know compete for space if that makes sense i don't know yeah <laughs> yeah no, no. i hadn't thought about this question before but i think there's i think i could summarize it which mm-hmm. is when when people are buying nfts because they actually want the thing that is yeah. when the nft space will finally enter its next chapter when people are buying the brain boot because mm-hmm. they actually want a pair of sneakers that is when we've reached nft like utility that's when my mm-hmm. decentralized uber example at the beginning like of the call yeah. that is like when we're actually in that world and that that's why i push so hard on something that i hope people like we build for people to actually want to use like people want utility because they want other people to think the utility is valuable so that they'll buy their nft and so in terms of consolidating here's here's a hot take Mm -hmm. um i don't know if i honestly see a world in which bored apes could be worth like two thousand dollars because we we really need to ask ourselves is and, and I'm not saying in that world, then everything else would be less. You could have Clonex way more expensive. You could have Doodles way more, way bigger than that. You could have, I mm-hmm. love what Frank Frank does with Utes. But I think there will come a time where um, the brands that people actually want to be involved in as brands, like um, what's that What's that bear that everyone buys, uh, like bear brick, bear brick. or whatever? I've yeah, yeah, one. yeah. Oh, no, it's upstairs. Yeah. I have one. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. <laughs> but but people buy that yes there's a collective aspect to it yes there's a financial aspect to it but there's, there's a brand there and people love that for that mm. and same with like buying a takashi murakami piece of artwork let's forget his nft collection right mm. i think it will consolidate into around 40 or 50 brands mm. that are actually worth what the brand is worth as a brand yeah, yeah. and then on top of that you will have brand va- brand value like brand equity Yep. which we have right now in Bored Apes. Bored Apes have the biggest brand equity in the world. Yeah, like um, but, but Yeah, yeah, yeah. And uh, or just more the value of what they are is not because of utility, it's because of how well known they are. So mm-hmm. you will have that, but I think that will be a lot more reasonably in line. So it might be $10,000, it might be $20,000, right? Well, in terms of scarcity to brand equity ratio. And then the addition on top of that will be how badly do I want the thing that you actually do or that you actually make. So it's like mm-hmm. for us, a Bricktopian might be the brand equity of Bricktopians and Abnormal Studios plus the value of like a brain boot. Like that that could be an example of that equation. Yeah. It's like, you know what I mean? And yeah. so I think we will consolidate. The, the other thing I think will happen is the people who are in this for a quick cash grab or mm-hmm. were in this to with no plan of what to do after Mint every day are either slowly being moved out of the market either by force or by exhaustion or by lack of care and so what you're going to get is the 100 projects that stick around that keep building even when it's not profitable because mm-hmm. that they actually care like they actually want to do something like we we have we could have uh, not that we would have ever walked away but we could have just called what we were doing art this wasn't even on our roadmap but then we were like Okay, this 3D printing opportunity, all that. Like, let's go crazy investing in R&D and make this a reality because we actually care. Like, we actually want this to exist. And we believe it can be an impactful next step in the space. I think those 100 brands won't consolidate because of hype. It'll consolidate because people will see through everything and be like, you know what? 
Like just like you might wear Nike, you might wear Balenciaga, you might wear Yeezy, you might wear Heron Preston, you might wear Coldwell, you might wear Off-White or whatever, you, whatever your thing is, a bunch of brands can exist, but there are the consolidated ones that we all care about. And I think Gary Vee shares a similar sentiment. He's like, how many streetwear brands exist in the world? But you know about 200 of them. I love Gary that, That's the same way to think about this as well. But um, just it's more like the bare brick, but a digital bare brick. Yeah, uh, quickly pushing on that point as well, where you say, you know, for the NFT space to evolve, it's like we want to be buying an NFT because we actually want it rather than just, oh, look at those utilities, this, that, this. But like thinking about that when you're talking about it, what do we actually want? Like these, the people in the NFT space, what do they actually want? Because at the minute, I don't think there is any wants. Everyone's just, you know, just buying it because, you know, yeah, it's, it's cool. Oh, yeah, it's going to pump. I don't think anyone actually, if we went to a random NFT investor, how many of those NFTs, you know, are they investing because they actually want it rather than just, you know, quick flip or, oh, it looks cool or, you know, profile pick, you know, that type of stuff. Like there is, there's no wants in the space right now, apart from like, for example, like yours, um, obviously yours has actual utility and the fact that it's connected to a, I guess, a Web2, Web2 product, um, that's like a want, whereas 99.9% of projects don't have that. Um, so I guess there is like the space can't evolve until these projects build those wants, if that makes sense. Yeah, the only exception, and you can imagine how this guides my thinking, is yep. I, I, I own a Clonex. I don't use it as my PFP. I think I use it as my PFP for like four days. Um, but I own it, and the only reason I don't sell it is networking. because... Uh, no, not even networking. I, really... I just want what... Nike's going to release some shoes that none of my friends can have, and I want them. Right, like <laughs> they, they, like, yeah, yeah, I guess that's the one. Yeah, yeah. yeah. yeah so, uh, and they're releasing like a Pokemon thing right now, like Animus with the eggs or whatever. Mm -hmm. I love, I love Pokemon. It's stupid and irrational, and it's going to be yeah. like a thousand, a thousand dollar Pokemon, and I want it. Yeah. <laughs> uh, um, and so, but in the, in the inverse, what mm -hmm. people don't want is you. Everyone, when a, a project says it's building a metaverse, you like the sound of that because it sounds like a a bit not you guys but people like the sound of that <laughs> yeah. because it sounds it sounds like a big thing it sounds yeah, like a course, big yeah. thing that they're doing and then it's like the reality sets in the second it's released if it's ever released but the second it's released and decentraland the biggest metaverse like in our space currently has 300 daily active users like, wow <laughs> makes you go makes hmm. you go hmm. <laughs> like it's like like is utility for utility's sake um, a good thing. And that's why I actually just think, honestly, the best utility right now is like the true utility is art, like CryptoPunks, Uplocks, et cetera. Yeah, because, yeah. because that is, once again, it's like it doesn't have to have a utility to justify itself. People mm -hmm. buying it know what they're buying. They're buying Agreed. it for what it is. Absolutely. Even if they're speculating on it. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I would love to hear about your NFT project. So if you want to give us a bit, a bit of an overview on Bricktopians, um, that would be amazing. I think it'd be it's an exciting project. So let's let's dive into that, Alex. Yeah, so period. the the TL, no, I'm so excited to tell our origin story. So this is going to be one <laughs> of the stories that's captured in this release that we're doing um, this week. Okay. But um, I'll just give a, a one minute recap for anyone that might have forgotten at the beginning of the call. The way I speak about us is we are a brand that is built on building the impossible so that our holders will have something that you will never, ever see anywhere else ever again. So we built Bricktopians a year ago 
using the supercomputer infrastructure so that we, we were convicted in the belief that you would not see a collection, like particularly a 3D collection, where every single NFT moves in its own unique way. You basically have a one-of-one by having a Bricktopian. Mm-hmm. When everyone was focusing on 2D animals and then eventually 3D animals and a little bit about like Mechaverse and all this sort of stuff, we were like, this is going to be something that moves the PFP space forward when PFPs were the meta. And to this day, we're here a year later and no one has even come close to creating something like this. So we, we really stand behind our approach in doing that. And we are firm in not cowering to the meta of the moment, which is let's create a staking coin, which um, we don't know what it's going to do, but everyone wants staking and to earn a coin. Let's do an airdrop. Let's buy land in the metaverse. Like we've so often throughout our journey had these pressures from the, not just, not so much our community, but the collective NFT consciousness to do things that we know have no future based on my seven years of experience, seeing the things that, that get traction. And that's why we're so invested in pushing the boundaries with this, the brain boot, because we know that the next, it's like, okay, how do you grow the NFT market? Do you just compete for the same eyeballs on Twitter? No, you enter a new market with similar buyer behavior, which is people who camp out to get the latest drop, people who symbolize what, use what they purchase to symbolize status, to feel part of a community. Um, they have this innate need to collect. And it's like, you could talk about an NFT collector, but we're actually talking about sneakerheads and sneaker collectors. Right. Yeah. And we're like, so how can we map the same behaviors into a new world and actually truly bridge web two and web three and use this as a device to reward our holders by making it so that you can burn a Bricktopian to turn it into the shoe, making Bricktopians rarer, by making the only way to get access to it on a whitelist at a discount through a Bricktopian and also using that as a revenue generation model so that we can actually sell something of value and continue to grow the project without having to constantly just flog new NFTs, new NFTs, new NFTs, which we see from a lot of other collections in the space. My model is physical world should be products and growth digital world should be rewards and engagement and and new experiences and that that's the way we really think about everything so, so of course folks could go over to your website and find find the white paper if they want to you know get really into it Pretty yeah the fun. best way to the, the best place to go is actually in our link tree i've written three articles that capture I'll kind of like the, show that. The, the three the three stages of what we've created what our mindset is and where we're going it's it's the most um uh basically uh yeah oh, so cha- chapter one if you start at chapter one it will carry you through to chapter two because we we have so, so there is so much that i'm so proud of in regard to what we've built and the way we build it that it cannot be captured by scrolling past and seeing a, a pfp that's a little bit different to everyone else's on twitter so for, uh, what i know i this um this article or this set of articles, I really think of kind of like a red pill. It's a, once you read them, if you don't want to join our collection and you want to buy another Pepe derivative of some kind, <laughs> that's, all, that's on you. But if you want to be a part of something that has a future, read these articles and make that decision for yourself because I know it's something that you'll want to be a part of. Um, so that's the best place to get all, all, all the info. Of course, awesome. there's so many rabbit holes that we can go down, but I think the best, the exemplar, the exemplar of who we are and what we do is really how Bricktopians came to exist in the first place. So I'm happy to jump into that story. 
Yeah, let's hear that. That'd be amazing. Yeah. So in August 2021, um, Lord Agree and I, uh, really it was like um, July after I'd been burnt by Top Shot. I was starting to get back into NFTs. I was I loved once. I was ready to be heard again. Um, I was seeing all these NFT collections release basically um, off the back of the success of Bored Apes, Cool Cats, or Pudgy Penguins, um, all these early collections. And I really just felt like there was something missing. Like there was like a leap forward that, that could happen. And that, that was more from the perspective of the, the way the art itself was created. So everything was these 2D splicings of, of layers. And we're like, well, I spoke to Lord Agree and I was like, I feel like you could make a pretty big impact in this space. Like what, what could you do um, to create um, an NFT collection? And he said, well, well, what are people like? And at the time, everything on OpenSea was a derivative. So yeah. everything was an adaptation of punks. There was like disto punks, there was baby punks, there was <laughs> like all, all sorts of stuff. And the other side was Bored Apes. And so I had bought this into this collection that I really loved, which was a collection called Fusion Apes. And they were like a AI, a Fidenza reinterpretation, AI reinterpretation of the Bored Ape Yacht Club. I thought this was really cool. And the way that the space celebrated it, we all look down on, on those sorts of collections now. But at the time, the narrative was, oh, wow, this is a unique and um, accessible way for people to buy into these bigger collections that they're priced out of. And so if you could do, do a really unique spin on that, you were celebrated. And so mm. we, started, we said, what is our mark on this? We actually started to go down the road of creating a collection called Bricto Punks, which if you want to get something up, I think you can actually yep. Google it. So Bricto Punks still exists out there on the internet. And so what this was, was we asked ourselves, well, what is a pixel in 3D? Well, it's a brick, like a toy brick. I'm not going to name any brands, but you kind of get where I'm going with this. And, um, and so we're like, okay, great. This is our collection. This is the direction we're going to go down. And so we got a lot of momentum because people really loved what we were creating. I actually got invited to speak to um, the head of Vayner NFT, which I think is now called Vayner 3, uh, a lady oh, wow. called Avery. And I also spoke to Andy Cranach, the head of V Friends. And to give you context for what the space was really like, both of them said, this is really cool. I love what you guys are doing. Like, this is a really unique interpretation. Typically, derivatives are quite low effort. Um, this is extremely high effort. I really love it. And so, yeah, that was one of our original promo videos. And then, <laughs> so, so we started to go down this road and we got about 40,000 people in the Discord. I was fortunate enough to be growing like an Instagram um, NFT page at the time. And we were one of the first collections to really grow out of Instagram, which felt like, we're like, why is no one posting visual stuff on Instagram? And so we grew quite rapidly. And then my Fusion Apes started to not perform so well. And then we started to see other derivatives in the space really not perform well. And we were started to get really concerned because we were like, hold on, these derivatives are not going to be looked back on historically as like pop art and like an Andy Warhol interpretation of like a historical figure. These are actually going to really like hurt people. Um, and they will, they might get popular for a minute but they're going to fade away and there'll be no way to ever get people to buy into an old derivative. Right. It, right. And so we're sitting there, we had 40,000 people in the discord. The energy was electric. We felt like, which at the time was like crazy big. 
And we felt like the, I think Mechaverse like broke the record with like 200,000. Then it was like, if you had 20,000, you were selling out instantly. We had 40,000. We're feeling really good about it. Um, and then we, yeah, but then we were like, we can't launch this. Like we, we wow. actually want to, want to build this into something that we, we can grow on and grow from. And so I think it was about, yeah, about five days out from launch, literally like the, the launch date, plaster on the Discord, got everyone who's grinded for whitelist spots and pre-sale spots. And we, we dropped the announcement. We said, hey, guys, look, we love you guys and we never expected to build a community this big and this amazing, but this isn't good enough and this has no future. We're going to delete the collection and we're going to start again. And we're going to build something that we're extra, that we're proud for you to hold forever. Oh my and God. What were the chat? You know, what, what were people saying when you did that? Were people like just going, what are you doing? You know, not good. Like, not good. Yeah. I want my punk. Can you, can you still, can you guys just quickly release the punk and then do another <laughs> thing? Like, like, uh, because they all knew they've got a whitelist spot in a hot market with derivatives. They could buy it. They could probably flip it instantly. Like they've got the spot. Like, but we knew to set the project up for longevity, we had to delete it and start again. And to give you an idea of how terrifying that decision was, I had like, I'd, I'd basically taken at this point around half of all. So I invested in ETH early to go back to the investing ETH at $45. I think I'd taken like $200,000 um, and basically invested all of it into creating it to this point, whether that be on marketing, development, because what you got to understand is at this time, marketing was so competitive, it was so expensive to buy, to buy any form of like real estate in these um, individuals or publications that would share what you're talking about. It was like 20 grand for like a post. Like, and wow. we're, we're to pay that because um, we really felt the need to amplify it and guarantee the success of what we're creating. So I bet like basically everything on this and we still made the decision that we're like, no, we're going to delete this. We're going to start again. My and God. Massive problem. I, I basically, I, I cried in a park and I was like, <laughs> I might've just, because the, the cycle, it went through like micro bears and micro bulls. Like there was like a week where it was like, oh, this is all going away. And then a week where it was like, oh, it's all going great. And then two weeks where it was like, oh, yep, that was it. That's the end of NFTs. And then two weeks where it was all going great. It went into like a two week, like no one's selling out collections. People at similar Discord sizes to us weren't selling. And we we're like, have we just thrown everything away that we worked for? But we knew we had to do it. And then we were like, we're going to build in front of you and you guys are going to see. And if you want to stick around, stick around. But if you don't, we understand no hard feelings. So it started with, we posted the new bricks we were going to use in our collection. And then we posted for the first time, instead of just punks, it was a 3D head. And then we posted the head made out of the bricks. And then we posted the first accessories. And people were like, oh shit, these guys are serious. Like they're actually going to take this up a notch. And then so I basically... I didn't realize it at the time, but I had to sell way more ETH to like keep this alive, basically everything. And I didn't realize that I hadn't, I had no money left to pay my taxes and I could never yeah. earn the amount. I could never earn the amount needed to pay those taxes. So it was like fully burn the boats, survive, like thrive or die. We were going to go for it. And so we put our blood, sweat and tears into it. My co-founder, he stayed up so late, so night work, so long at night working that he actually, um, I had to take him to hospital um, from dehydration um, Jesus Christ. Uh, about a week and a half before the next launch. And we we're like, all right, let's get you like well-rested and well-fed. And then we, we crescendoed to this ultimate moment. We didn't know how we'd go. And we 
from all that fever, from all that storytelling, from all the strength of that community, um, we sold out in 90 seconds. Wow. So, uh, all 10,000 NFTs. That's Jeez. insane. Jesus and Christ. I mean, uh, the bravery and the, the, I don't know, I don't know how you did that. Like, I don't think people recognize you know what a story oh my like i'm actually my jaws on the ground i don't it, this is a fake job mine's down on the ground somewhere uh that's ex that's extremely brave and really shows the i guess the confidence and the i don't know what like well so i i can ask you you're right here how, how did you like what about making that decision like were there was there anything you needed to do or did you have to reflect on something like how would you have made that i don't think anyone else would have made that decision how did you do that yeah, we just saw that like there were DMCA's against people with punks. There were um, punks being yelled at or like falling away in terms of price. And the, the people who get burnt by that are the holders. And so if you look at my content, I, I, tell, I tell my community members, I'm like, give me five years. Like I want to be like the Gary Vee of Web3. Like I'm betting my life, my reputation, everything on this. Mm. We did not want, we don't care about like, making a quick cash grab and then going living yeah. in the Bahamas. We're like, no, no, we want to use this so that we can build the next thing bigger and the next thing bigger. Like we were, the second we sold out, we're like, can we get a hot air balloon made out of bricks? Like, can we do all these exciting, incredible creative endeavors that of course you, you engineer to either bring attention or value back to your holders. We're like, and the, the biggest thing of all is you're not selling a product. You're, develop, you're developing a re relationship with these people on a, on a day-to-day -day basis. If you know someone on a first-name basis, as if you're going to like, what, like you, I, I feel it hurts me to know that there are people that would want to rug people who have mm -hmm. come in and be passionate about the art that they've created. They um, have come and showed up every day and they're just great individuals. And so I'm really lucky and humbled to be surrounded by such an awesome community. Look, we've not been perfect. We've... Um, had like challenges, uh, like the, the classic things you get from projects, like delays and all sorts of things. But our community, we're here one year later, we're thriving. We've been growing in terms of profile picture usage. Our floor's grown um, in the past like two or three months. And when all, most floors are diminishing and that's all because we just want it more than, I, I truly believe like we just want it more than anyone else. We want to be able to continue to grow this thing for everyone that made it possible. And then we want to be able to do things that are even bigger and more exciting that we can all share together as a community. And that that's literally all we care about. Yeah. So I think I've got it. I think, I think I've figured out why you guys did what you did is because even in that moment where it was to make that decision, you know, we're going to, we're going to burn, we're not going to do this. We're going to burn this to the ground. We're going to do something else you and your mind and with your team and with your community already saw sort of a corridor of execution far off into the future of what you actually wanted to build. Um, and as scary as it was to see, you know, your hard earned money go into this and, you know, potentially lose it, you know, you can, you can earn money back, but you can't earn back that trust, that respect and those relationships. So, you know, it's basically kind of like an ethical journey, I guess, that you went on that's root that's grounded in, uh, this corridor, this roadmap, this sort of, uh, I guess, future that you saw was possible. Does that sound sort of what, does that describe what you, what you experienced? Yeah, yeah, 100%. Um, it was, people talk about, I'm setting this up for the long term. I'm setting this up for the yeah. long term, blah, blah, blah. We're building for the long term, which is often just an excuse to not do something this week. So right. like, yeah, yeah. <laughs> 
we're building for the long term. And I was like, no, 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 I genuinely like have a vision for like how this can grow in five years to be an amazing experience that we can all share together. And also how it can slowly onboard Web2 users in the way that I've seen so many businesses and organizations fail over the years. Like, like it's almost like I, I've, I've seen it all and I'm like, I can make this successful for, for my people. And that, that, that five-year journey to me matters way more than any one-week opportunity. And that's why the beautiful thing about that is it's gotten me, it's that exact moment that I think has given, gotten me the trust of the community so that when I say, hey, everyone's releasing a token, we're not going to release a token. And here's why. People say, that's not Alex being lazy because he doesn't want to release a token. Alex makes decisions that one year from now will still mm. be the right decision. Yeah. And so it, it actually has worked out. I'm so grateful for that moment now because it was like, they say like, um, if you go through a, a tough experience with um, like, like let's say you've got a, a, a life partner, like a boyfriend or girlfriend or husband or wife, often it's the tougher experiences that make you stronger together. Yeah. And, mm -hmm. and we, we've kind of gone through that as a, as a community. And so I think that's why one year later, I don't know many, there are, of course, you can always point to the blue chips and like doodles, they only have to post once every like month or two and everyone still loves them. But there are very few of those like middleweight communities that are still here one year later. All the peers that I used to look at and compare myself to and compare our project to, most of them don't exist anymore or are yeah. slowly, slowly fading away. And we're right. here one year later because of that decision. And that decision, by the way, is what the first infinity stone captures the story of so it captures oh, the destruction so cool. of of the punks because and the reason i said i said, said this on a space over the weekend i'm like because what i want is someone joins our community they get a bricktopian and then people someone says what should i do next and they're like have you heard about brick origins which is what we call it um and it's like well what's that it's like well go check out this piece of art it's like well what is that art well that art actually captures the story of how where what we were born out of how we deleted out the collection and we were rebirthed and we started again oh my god that's amazing what's the next one about well that one is about how two people in the discord before we launched wanted to have a beer together but they're on opposite sides of the world so we flew a guy from north carolina to belgium um and then 30 other people joined them in belgium we had this community generating moment where everyone had a beer together and no we hadn't way. even launched yeah we hadn't even launched yet and that was like the, the, what I see is like our community defining moment. There's all these moments that I'm like, when people enter our world, I want them to see these artworks and ask that question. And then they get the story from either myself or a community member and understand what has gone into creating what we've built. That's so fascinating. Wow. Bull yeah, bullish on this project, I am. Very yeah, nice. I'll, I'll, I'll make this succeed or I'll die trying. I can tell you guys that. <laughs> That is crazy. The amount of work you put into this and huge, 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 huge props for keeping the project alive. Like you don't understand how difficult that is, especially for an NFT project, not just like a normal community. NFT projects are something different. And the fact that you've kept that going and you kept the community strong for what a year now um, is insane, like next level insane. Um, so massive, massive props to that. Um, do you guys want to know the secret source to how, how to do that? Do. Go on, give us a secret sauce. This is like an example of it, but it's more the mindset that comes with it. Anytime mm -hmm. someone buys a Bricktopian, I personally send them a message. Then people in the community also message them. Um, anytime we go on a space, 
and many of our Bricktopians are there and someone has taken the time to listen to our story for half an hour, we all follow those people because regardless of whether they buy or not, we care about people that have taken the time to listen to us. And yeah. it's that it's the do things that don't scale, which is like send someone a personal video, send someone yeah. a personal message, um, um, comment on a, a struggling artist and give them a leg up and say, hey, like, I actually really do like your artwork. And I think if you shared it here, um, you would get much more success doing those small things. Oh, yeah, ends course, up yeah, ends up ends up adding up over the course of a year, wow. and, and that's why and you're what, still around. What's your schedule for spaces? Do you have one for the project? Do you guys do like a weekly, monthly, or? I um I just spent four months um living overseas, so my schedule is a bit all over the place. So we kind of do them more impromptu. Like, Got it. hey guys, feels like a feels like a good time to do a space. We're gonna do one on Thursday, and yeah. then me, I see myself as more of like a we're kind of like um uh like a bunch of like raiders like raiding towns like on cavalry <laughs> like in terms of i'll just open the twitter app and be like what looks good bang that looks good and then i'll dm ever like my <laughs> core, core people i'm like come and join me on this one and the next thing you know like a 20 person space has 50 people on it i'm on stage and everyone in the crowd has pfp fricktopian PFPs. that's pretty cool so I get more value from joining other audiences because people are like you guys like this. That, that's very much like why I'm so grateful to be on this mm -hmm. is that it's like so many people have invested in building an audience that has never heard of you. That's yeah, often yeah. way more way more effective than speaking to the same people week in, week out on your very own. True. So I try to I try to spread the love. Nice. Yeah, that's awesome. Nice, um, nice. So we're going to kick it off with the last and final nice. uh, our little question. Yeah, because uh, we've been, this has been a nice one. I think this is our longest one so far, actually. Totally. Uh, you beat the record by about 15 minutes. So huge props. Great. Um, <laughs> um, so um, going back to the very, very beginning of your journey, the start of your blockchain, your crypto NFT journey, if you could go back in time, what is one piece of advice you could have given to yourself before you started? Don't trade. Oh, sorry if that like that. I, that that's your, <laughs> like the advice you give. But I mean, don't trade blindly, because mm -hmm. um, when I when I bought Ethereum, or no, here's the better advice: don't think you're smarter than you are when it comes to mm. trading. Because when yeah. I bought Ethereum, it started to go up like two x, three x, four x, five x, six x. Suddenly, I'm the smartest person in the room. I see. And then you get other, big bollocks are, and then you go, that, oh, you know what? I'm going to do more and more and more and more. And yeah. I'm, I'm going to, I'm going to buy, I'm going to buy everything um, uh, at, that I suddenly have that same feeling I had about ETH, like something like a, <laughs> like a feeling. And the next thing you know, I, I really messed up in that first bull run. Like I'm thankful to have gone through two bull runs. I think I had something like 80 ETH. And I traded it down to like 40 because I was like, oh, I know when, oh, Ripple's on the way up right now. I'm going to buy into Ripple. Like I'm mm. going to buy into this. I'm going to buy into that. And then I got really lucky that, and this is where trading does come in, is where you've actually taken the time to get kind of like an arbitrage of information. Either right. an, inside, an inside tip that is not just, hey, guys, here's this tip like from a random piece of content, but more like you've been at an event, you know something is being built that isn't really publicly appreciated yet. I've, I've been very successful off the back of those. So like I bought Stellar Lumens when they were like, I think it was like three cents and it wow. went up, oh, wow. to, up to like 70 cents or something crazy. Didn't sell. Because um, <laughs> once again, thought I was too smart. Um, and then I bought into a blockchain called um, 
Oh, I think I, I think it was uh, Dash before, not uh, not Dash, Rayblocks, Rayblocks, like very early on, um, which was like a zero fee cryptocurrency, and that was once again because a friend was like, "Hey, I think you should check into this," mm. um, uh, and gave me the full breakdown. But whenever I thought I was too smart, and I'd go to Reddit and I'd go wow, I'm the only person in the world that's read this breakdown on this specific cryptocurrency. <laughs> um, that's where I made a lot of mis mistakes. So I, I saw something called Stratus, which was meant to be the Ethereum for business. And I heard the word Ethereum and business. Well, I'm smart. I bought Ethereum. I'm going to get into Ethereum for business before it goes up. Got wrecked on it. Kept on getting wrecked and wrecked again. So what I'd say is take, make fewer bets. Don't think you're smarter than you are. Listen to probably strategies more than um, than tips, and, uh, and and invest around those strategies. So, like for me, in NFTs, I really want to invest in um, anything that is playing in the sneaker space because I see where future demand can come from for that. Yeah. And that means I'll basically only buy NFTs that fit that investment strategy. And then, yeah, most of all, don't think that you're you're smarter than you are because riding on that high, you're going to bet double down on your bet. And that's where people get wrecked. I love it. Yeah. I love that piece of advice. We we should just cut it cut it for a second at the end where it says like just don't trade. What's your advice, Alex? <laughs> don't trade. Oh no, I, I realized. Uh, <laughs> I um I realized I was like that is that is the 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 most awful room to room to say that in. Uh, but the, um, but this has been my experience of when I trade. I fail, so I shouldn't trade blindly with no expertise or understanding based off. This is going up in the past hour. Don't worry, everyone. Everyone does that. Obviously, I'm. I deal with at least one or two messages that messages like that every single day. Um, like we have quite a few in the Discord who have like you know they've been training for a month and they've rode this you know like sudden ramp and it's just gone up and up and up. They've like they took a ten pound account to twenty pounds to like fifty to hundred and they're like, oh, I'm the best trader in the world. I'm gonna go put a thousand pound my entire life savings into this, like. I'm telling you, don't do it. But like, no, I'm the best trader. So, you know, you just got to let them do do what they do. I did the exact same thing. I blew my first account. Everyone does the same. NFT, crypto, stocks, Forex, everyone does it. And you go through that phase of like, like realization. It's what makes you a trader. Like, do you give up and say, oh no, it's a scam? Or do you have that like one month quit? And you know, you know what? I'm actually going to take this seriously now. And I'm going to actually research, do my proper research. And, you know, I'm going to do the due diligence and risk management and all that stuff. And that's what makes yeah. a trader a trader. Yeah, actually, something I want to add to that because that you said something really important, Leon, which is um, this didn't work for me the first time I tried it. So, like, it must be a scam. I think, uh, like, this guy, like, many people know, you guys might know, like, Alex Hermosi, like, I love his stuff. Yeah. And he talks about how he bought, like, 30 courses, 40 courses, six masterminds, all that. And he's like, the issue people have is they think they're going to buy one course and suddenly know how to run a business. It's like, mm -hmm. just because you you did a marketing course doesn't mean you know everything about even marketing, let alone running a business. Just because yeah. you did an accounting course doesn't mean you know everything about accounting. Just because you did, there are so many pieces of your brain that you need to saturate in order to be skilled enough to actually get results. Same thing goes with thread writing. I get people messaging me saying, Alex, I've written seven threads now. Thread, like threads are a scam. Like, uh, um, like threads don't grow. And I'm like, yeah, I wrote a hundred 
before I saw any. any Come on, YouTube live streams. I've been live streaming for ten months. So I'm still getting five views. Yeah, what yeah. am I doing wrong? Before you see any meaningful things. So, and that's why why I think it's it's really challenging for you, Leon, because as you were saying, is that people the people who promise the entire world um, are the ones that that shine out and then create a bad name for everyone in the space. When obviously yeah. it's like ninety percent of businesses fail because most people don't know how to run a business. And yeah. then the other, like within that, there might be 20% who did and then just really struggled. Um, mm. Similarly, 99% of traders fail because 99% of traders are like me when I was 21 years old, cashed up, like first investment of all time. And I'm an absolute genius and no one, no one has the secret sauce like I do. And I think we all get humbled by those moments, but I hope of course, that yeah. any, anyone who's listening now knows Guess what? You've either just been through a cycle or you're at the bottom, not the bottom, but you're on the downward slope of one. So mm. you've got time to learn these things from people who've come before you, actually have disciplined strategies and then succeed in the next market. Yeah. Yeah. yeah I couldn't agree more. Well, that is absolutely perfect. That's a good point to wrap up on. Um, thank you so much for coming yeah. out, Alex. I thank really appreciate it. Uh, we, I mean, we plugged your socials all the way through it anyway. So, um, anyway, the people can find you on Twitter. Uh, where else? Where else? On, apart from that, is it just Twitter? Um, best place to find me is on Twitter. I'm starting a newsletter, which you can also find. It's oh, yeah, I saw that. Yeah. LinkedIn bio. Uh, that's a bit of alpha. Anyone wants to start a business and don't, doesn't know a business to start, start a newsletter. You only have to write it once a week and you can grow it over time as a side hustle. And then one day it'll help you quit your job. So I do it because... I think it's going to be a way that I can get closer to sharing what I'm actually building in a li little bit more detail, mm -hmm. um, as well as like growing it into something that could be leveraged five years from now. And yep. I think everyone, everyone should do something like that. I'm actually yeah. doing the exact same thing. Mine's on my Twitter, yeah. right? I've got one subscriber. I'm literally starting it next week. NFT um, God, NFT yeah. God did it for, he said he did it for like four months and only got 10 opens and like, and now he's got what? Like almost 70,000 followers. Yeah, yeah, mental. Wow. 10,000 people on the Discord. Um, final plug is that, yeah, to anyone um, that, because you got to do it, but it's like to anyone that is, um, is still in this market and is looking for a project that is building for this next this next wave what i call the next meta which is uh, a meta that has the ability to go massive in web3 but then actually get mainstream adoption and that next wave of users the people with the existing collector mindset that just haven't broken into our world yet come and join us come and get a bricktopian and be a part of a community that is to one year later still kicking strong and building incredible things like this the brain boot but yeah, man, I'll see. I'm gonna, I'm gonna go buy one right now. I'm just gonna head over to OpenSea. When did it <laughs> release? Actually, when did it release? Yeah, you gotta do it. <laughs> Beautiful. Um, when are they releasing? When did the Brain Boots release? So we got the um the Bricked Origins release happening over November, December. Brain mm -hmm. Boots will be early next year, as you can imagine. We're trying to get like a double yeah, bag of shoes onto onto these fashion influencers now. That that's kind of our next stage in the marketing campaign. Yeah. Sick, sick. Can't Beautiful. Wait. Right, we'll end it there. Thank you for hopping on. I appreciate it. Beautiful. Thank you, Leon, and thank you, Tyler. It's been amazing. What an awesome Yeah, time. our pleasure.